Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, uh, I know you are very big on sibling loss, as everybody knows, and we have got a wonderful guest on today who's really doing some great work with Brief Parents USA and has done some wonderful writing for us. I'm proud to say that Sarah is one of our Open to Hope writers. Heidi, you want to introduce her? Yes, I'm, I'm happy to introduce her and to have her on, and I'm really happy that she lives in New Jersey because I definitely want to have her on our cable, cable television show. So our guest today is Sarah Lyman Kravitz, and like you said, she's going to talk about a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, and that is sibling loss. Um, our topic is loss changes everything. Sarah served as the sibling coordinator for the Brief Parents of the USA, and her brother was killed by an impaired driver in 2014. She leads a Brief Parents USA sibling grief group in northern New Jersey. And as you said, she is a writer for Open to Hope and also has contributed to Modern Loss and the Huffington Post. And she is in graduate school right now at Rutgers as well. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much. It's really my pleasure and it's my honor to be with you. It's great to have you on. Talk a little bit about your brother. Now he was killed by a drunk driver. How old was he? He was, he was 46 and uh, he's my only sibling. He's two years younger than myself, and um, it was just the sort of very sudden, completely perplexing thing that, that you just never expect is going to happen to you. You know, you read about it in the paper and you think, oh, that poor family, and you just don't think that poor family is going to be your family. I wanted to ask you, I'm always uh, curious, how, how did you deal with was there a lawsuit, a case? Uh, did the person survive? I mean, how do you deal with all that? It's a very difficult part of this type of loss. Um, there, there was no legal action. The other driver died instantly as well. Uh, he was driving on the, the wrong side of the road and it was pre-dawn. So there was no way to see that there was a car there until there was a car there. And, um, and there was no... There were no assets. Um, there was no other particular fault that could be found. Um, so it was just the sort of thing where you're left to pick up the pieces on your own and you can't take action in that, in that arena. Um, and it's very difficult and to process that, the blame um, that comes along with that. Mm -hmm. Wow. So do you, Heidi, I know it's talked about sibling loss being minimized. Have you felt that way or did you? Yes. And, and I really had no concept of this until I was thrust into this world very suddenly. And I didn't even realize it right away um, because I'm very close with my parents and it felt very natural for me to be all about my parents for quite some time. Um, and all about my brother's family and just being present for everyone in this process. Um, and then 
it, you know, and four or five months later, it sort of hit me that even though I have tremendous support from my family and my friends, that in the world, there's a sense that sibling loss is just not quite as painful or as significant as the loss of a child or the loss of a spouse or the loss of a parent. Um, and that sort of crept up on me in a rather insidious way. And then I realized I, that, that it didn't make any sense. Um, and, uh, and so I started to talk to people about it and I found that it really was something that not too many people had thought about. And my friends who had lost siblings came out of the woodwork to me in a way that I didn't realize before. And that also uh, emphasized for me the fact that they weren't talking about this before until I lost a sibling. They weren't maybe feeling like it was significant enough to share with their friends. Sound familiar, Heidi? Yes, and the, the interesting part for your brother was I worked with a lot of adult siblings, siblings that have lost adult siblings after 9-11. Oh, wow. Said, bring, your situation brings about a whole new level because your brother was married, it sounds like. Yes. Okay, and he had children. Yes. And he's the son of your parents. So you just said exactly what happened for us. I worked with 9-11 with families and we didn't, the siblings never got funding for five years. We uh. got funding to work with, and this won't surprise you, the death of parents, you know, people that have lost parents, people that have lost um, children, and people that have lost spouses. Right, but not, not siblings. You'll find out that your brother died. They also not only ask you how your parents are doing, but they probably ask you, did he have a family? Was he married? Yes. Yes, and that, that adds a whole other layer to it as well. Because of course, their grief is enormous. And of course, I love them so much. And so then you just find yourself being about all of these other people and then sort of waking up and saying, oh my gosh, I'm, <laughs> what's happened? I'm not addressing me. And I don't have people asking me specifically um, how are you as much as perhaps how are the other people? Although I have to say that part of what helped me begin to acknowledge my own grief was two different people sent me a book about sibling grief. In fact, this, it was the same book by T.J. Ray. And, um, and that was one, and one of them had lost a brother. And that really started me to think about, oh, wow, people are paying attention and to something I should be paying attention to. Well, like you said, sometimes we don't even know we have the right to our own grief. No. When people say, how are your parents? Of course they're doing horrible. And so I want to talk about that. And I want to say, yes, it's been really hard. Their only son died and all those things. And yeah. we sometimes can forget, wait a minute, our grief is legitimate and it's horrible and it's horrendous. And it's happened to us too. Yes, exactly. In all these different directions that aren't about us. Yeah, it's very difficult to juggle. It's very difficult. And to take that time and you start to feel like if I'm going to take the time and energy for myself, I'm taking it away from all of these other people who need it so much. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like you had to be strong for your parents? Yes, very much so. Very much so. Luckily, they live fairly near me. So we have, we are able to be together. We talk and... Um, you know, we would sort of trade off who was falling apart 
<laughs> in that funny way that you do. And, you know, someone's falling apart and someone else pulls it together and is strong for them. And then when I was falling apart, they would be strong for me. So we got into sort of a rhythm that way. Um, but it was definitely, you know, a factor that I really still am, you know, wanting to be very present for them. And, you know, one of the things I think is very significant about losing a sibling, and I imagine you experienced this, is you make that assumption that you're going to grow old with your sibling because you're the same generation. And when that assumption is shattered, it's just mind boggling. You realize that you have expectations of all these years you were going to share together and things you were going to do later in life. And it's all gone up in a puff of smoke. Well, you also had a bout with breast cancer after, right? I, it was before. It was wow. just, um, it's that sort of thing where you think, well, really, was that not enough? But there's no logic, right. there's no logic to all of this. Yes, I had breast cancer in 2010, and I was in treatment. I had surgery and was in chemo and, and radiation through beginning of 2011. And I imagine your brother supported you through that. He did. He sure did. In fact, one of my favorite pictures of us together was uh, that Thanksgiving that I was in the middle of chemo. And uh, the first type of chemo I had got rid of my hair. But the second type, my hair started to grow back. And my brother only had a little bit of hair left from his male pattern baldness. And we actually had the same hair <laughs> for that one Thanksgiving. It was, I had no hair on the top and a little bit around the side and we took a picture together and it's I really... was going to say, I'm guessing that he brought in the humor for you and you guys laughed a lot about it. That's yes. Funny. Yes, we did. And he, he was always the one to kind of, uh, you know, shake me up and get me to see things and try to get me to have a little more fun. And so, yeah, he really did bring in the humor with that. I love one of the articles that you wrote for us, I'll have to say, where you talked about that you liked and that you were drawn to the site because of the name Open to Hope. Yes. I love that. Can you, you know, comment on that? That there's something, I don't know if you all knew quite how brilliant that was, but part of my enormous struggle in the first, certainly the first year, first two years of my grief was that I didn't want to be told to hope. I didn't want to be told to anything. I wanted to just be able to feel what I was going to feel and not judge it because I was also judging myself. And to just say, be open to hope makes it the individual person's choice. And so that absolutely drew me into the site. And I found that, you know, what's offered on the site really is it's a whole set of things that you can be open to and you can consider and then you can make your own decision about what serves you. And that is incredibly valuable. Wow, thank you. Uh, I wanted to ask you if you had some advice for someone who's recently had the loss of a loved one and particularly a sibling, uh, what would it be? You know, I have a lot of things I'm gonna try to you can do a lot. Water too. Um, you know, one thing is to, to stay away from expectation of how you're supposed to feel. If you're supposed to progress down some line of steps, um, famously the Kubler-Ross stages of grief, as I'm sure you all know, 
were written for a person who's dying themselves, that it's a set of stages they go through. And it's been, I think, misappropriated into something that we should follow when we're grieving. And there really is no set recipe for grieving. So I would say my first bit of advice would be to take away any expectation. I really find that all of the not all, but much of the difficulty lies in that gap between expectation and reality and all that judgment in there. So if you find that you are stone-faced when people expect you to be sobbing or you're sobbing when people expect you to be happy or you have trouble with one activity and have no trouble with something else and people think, well, that's very strange. She should be very upset about this or whatever it is. To, to say, this is just what it is. This is what I feel. This is authentic and it's okay. And then to find people, a few people around you who can really be present with however you feel and not judge and not tell you you should this and try to cheer you up or try to calm you down, but just to be present with you, that is, uh, really, really important, especially for siblings who will often tend to try and serve everyone else and not look to have their own, um, you know, their own moment of pain. And talk a little bit about Grief Parents USA, your sibling grief group, because I think that fits into what you're saying, which is find some people who can just hear you. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, to be able to find a couple other bereaved siblings, even if their losses are very different from yours, is incredibly valuable, incredibly valuable. And when I, I actually got connected with BPUSA through a neighbor of mine whose aunt, um, uh, Kathy Corrigan, is now the president, but at the time she was the secretary, I believe. And so I went to my first, uh, I gave a couple of workshops because they were looking to increase their support for siblings. And, and then at that time, after that, when I joined the board, I started the sibling group here in Essex County. And we don't have too many people coming. We have a small group. I have a little bit bigger of an email chain, but just being connected with these few people and having that safe space where you can talk about things you can't talk about with your parents, for example. I can't talk with my parents about things that are difficult about being a, a support to them. I don't want to, because it's not their fault and I love them and I don't want to burden them with that. But I can be with a sibling talking about, oh, this was hard with my parents or this was hard with my brother's family or I have, you know, these particular pains and difficulties that they can relate to and we can all experience relief when we can share that together in a room or even when we have our email chain um, I think that just connecting with other bereaved siblings is super, super important. So the Compassionate Friends is also for people that have had the death of a sibling and a child. And they have chapters in Manhattan. They have chapters everywhere, but they have a pretty big chapter here in, in New York City. So uh, um, like, like Sarah said, I think it's so important, even if it's a small, no matter how many people show up, even if it's only one other person, to know you're not alone and to know that what you're going through is normal. It is so important. Getting that support from other siblings, I think, is key. Well, listen, uh, thank you so much for being on the show and tell people how they can get in touch with you. One thing you can do is to go to the Open Hope site, and Sarah's one of our writers, 
and read some wonderful things that she's written for Open to Hope. Things like Managing Grief to Do, The Holidays, Spider in the Candle Jar. You should find that interesting. And Lost Changes Everything. And yes, I'm still grieving. So wonderful topics that she's got there for you if you go to opentohope.com. And what about your site, Sarah? Lifewithoutjudgment.com. And uh, as you mentioned, Gloria, the links to my other writing is there. Thanks again for being on the show uh, here an amazing person. Thank you. The feeling is mutual. And thank you for all that you all do to support bereaved families. It is absolutely essential. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing for siblings out there and for building. You're so welcome. Our loss. We want to thank you all for watching this show today. And Heidi and I and Sarah want to remind you always, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.